This is Hank from the Wildflower Bee Farm. This is your podcast for April 15, 2021. It's a Thursday. I also just posted the video at wildflowerbeefarm.com or on Instagram of my uh, regular uh, podcast. This week it was about my trying to build a uh, Zeidler hive. Uh, and it's a hive that you build inside a living tree. So it's a it was motivated. I want to talk a little bit today. I'm going to do a bit of a high report because I just got back from walking the farm and uh, talk a little bit about um, how the bees are doing and then talk about this uh, live hive I constructed and a few other thoughts. So I just got back uh, from a walk out there and what I find amazing is even though it's about 8 degrees, colder with a wind chill, and, and most of the farm the bees are flying and I I, I was cold. So I have no idea. It's a north wind, pretty strong. Uh, there's the odd area uh, under the hill. Obviously, they're all protected from the north, but there's still a great deal of wind. And I noticed a number of them were foraging about two inches off the ground looking for wildflowers. Um, you know, and, and I think they they adjust, obviously, to the conditions. So it's, it's, it's quite fascinating to watch. The other thing that I mentioned in this week's blog and on on wildflowerbeefarm.com is I've got a when I built the willow live hive out of a willow tree now you might wonder why willow it would be better to have oak or something like maple but uh, it was uh, it is one of the few large trees we have we planted our bush about 25 years ago we have some oak trees that are getting close where you could perhaps uh, I could perhaps next year or the year after build uh, some of these hives within an oak tree which which could last for generations but the um, willow may only last 20 or 30 years, we're not sure, uh, but it was the, the largest and the most available. So if you're, you're interested in doing some more research on this, they're called Zeidler hives, and, and I did mine, obviously I modified it. I wasn't going to build a scaffold up, you know, 20 feet, wheeled in a chainsaw, and I didn't have the Zeidler tools as I call them, I only had one small chisel and a chainsaw, so I, I stayed on the ground, built it above the ground level. And I'll keep you posted. But what was interesting about it, as they talk about in the blog, was the the internal temperature. Uh, I put a home accept uh, sensor inside the um, the hive in the willow tree, and it maintained a seven degree uh, Celsius temperature, even though it was zero and minus one outside this morning. So, and there's nothing living in there. There's nothing alive. So when you think about that for a moment, you wonder how you know efficient is the inside of that tree for uh, a beehive to be able to live with regard to conserving energy over the winter with regard to heat and uh, and re- reserves. So I'm, I'm really, I've got one in a red maple tree and one, uh, that was really the red maple I explained in the blog. And uh, most of that was already created by squirrels in nature. But the other was a, a fresh cut attempt by me on a willow tree. So have a look. So the hive report. So yesterday I was walking the farm and had to check out the top bar where, where uh, a mouse, a group of mice, had made a, a nest at the top. So they weren't within the hive. They were on top of the, of the roof section. So when I opened it up uh, yesterday, there, were, there was a small nest. There were no mice to be found, but there were droppings. And it was still, it was above all the bees and everything. Uh, and if, if you know top bars, it's totally sealed to the bottom. But... Somehow there was a tiny space, and I found out this out this morning. There was a tiny space, so if you go into the entrance, 
And if you were to climb that entrance wall, there was a tiny, tiny uh, space between the wall and the first top bar. And that's where the mice were getting in. So I thought, okay, I can fix this. So I, I got there this, very early this morning before the bees started flying, thinking, okay, I'm going to go in there, got a broom, started cleaning it up on the top, and then I, I took my... Uh, my uh, electric drill with the screw pre sort of set in a small piece of wood to cover that opening. So when I opened it up and went to put the piece of wood, in, the bees were waiting for me. They were, they had already been alerted, probably because of uh, mice action, that they were going to protect that part of the hive. And they came out and they went for the old head. They didn't get me, but because it, it was minus one, it was pretty cold. They just came out quickly and went back, but. I was eventually to secure, I was able to secure a piece of wood there eventually over time. And I'm, I'm going to go back in full gear uh, when it's warm enough to go in again and just make sure it's fully, uh, fully cut off and, uh, and secured. Uh, but, it, it, you know, I, I know every, it, it's nature and everything cohabitates, but it was kind of bothersome to see mice inside the top of a hive, but it's not unexpected. So just came back from a walk and found some uh, other amazing areas within the bush where where I think there can be uh, bees and there could be um, some bees living in trees sometime. I did find one dried up tree that seemed large enough, had a large enough cavity, but it was facing north, which we know the bees would not uh, would not appreciate. Uh, all the hives are doing well. Uh, they are uh, foraging and, and multicolored uh, pollen and nectar if you had a chance to, to look at them. Uh, <clears throat> a book I strongly recommend, The Lives of Bees by Thomas Seeley. I just started listening to it probably about a week ago, which motivated me to do the, uh, the live hives. But Thomas Seeley, the research that he's done at Cornell University with... Um, Hives that aren't being managed, hives that are living in uh, different parts of a managed forest that um, Cornell University has near Ithaca, New York. And, and the climate's fairly similar to ours. And he talks about how the bees prior to the varroa mites were, were quite popular. I think he counted some 30 hives in a cer certain section of their bush, their preserved bush. Then when the varroa mites came, there was some decline but post varroa and i think his research is 2010 or 2013 um the same number of hives exist 30 something so he, he he goes on to talk about why and how and you know the life cycle of a, a hive in the wild and it's quite fascinating to listen I'm, I'm not finished it yet but um i strongly recommend you do and, and there are some really common threads to what he was saying um, having to do with hive entrance size you know, the bees need a small entrance. They don't want a large entrance, which really amazes me as to the size of the entrances on most commercial hives. The, um, the ability of, of the bees to survive within a proper home, if you will, where it's insulated and, and they're able to use propolis. Uh, apparently, in, in the natural environment, bees will propolize the entire inside and entrance and all over of the hive like the entire thing and he's even gone on to measure the height of the propolis shield that they put in the entire inside of the hive and he also reports that a lot of the research suggests that the trees actually get healthier when they have hives living inside of them so it's been a fascinating journey and it makes it more difficult and it's just a true confession more, more difficult to watch the livestock beekeeping you see on youtube but just 
I'm seeing some of it now where there's being a, been a real push to feed bees pollen patties so that they can and pollen patties are basically a manufactured uh, pollen substitute uh, made up of soybeans apparently corn and some other products to help the bees get a jump on uh, the queen get a jump on laying but it's not natural of course it's a it's an artificial feeding situation it's the same with sugar water and uh, you know the the other thing that we have to live with is according to uh dr seeley the bees in the wild when they swarm only two out of ten hives survive that winter that's from the first swarm and there, he's getting into a number of the reasons why, but I think I think the point is, the, the those that survive are strong and are able to continue to overcome whatever obstacles are placed their way. Now, for some reason, we had two swarms that chose to live in two of our hives. One was a log hive, and one was a top bar hive on the farm here, and both survived the winter and are thriving right now. So that's a bit strange that both of them would survive. They really shouldn't have. Um, but I think, again, it has to go with the food source and the amount of food available in the environment. But we'll keep track on that. We, we currently have some, I believe we're up to 12 hives that are empty and are available for swarms to move in. Um, we have four log hives, two um, live tree hives, and then the remainder are Langstroth hives. So we'll keep you posted as we get in another month probably before we start getting into swarm season and see what happens with our bees. So this is Hank from the Wildflower Bee Farm. Make sure to go to wildflowerbeefarm.com and have a look at our video we just downloaded. I downloaded today. And also you can go to honeybeelessonplans.com to get lesson plans if you're a part of this lockdown and you want some motivational tools to work with your children. And you can take my class at Teachable on beekeeping, or I should say bee helping. Um, it's going to be tree planting time, hopefully, next week sometime when our fruit trees arrive and then two weeks from then we should be planting our uh, little leaf lindens that are coming from alberta so exciting times here in the farm you have an amazing week we'll talk soon